0: Chapter 12 of How to Live on Twenty-Four Hours a Day by Arnold Bennett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 Dangers to Avoid. I cannot terminate these hints, often I fear too didactic and abrupt, upon the full use of one's time to the great end of living as distinguished from vegetating without briefly referring to certain dangers which lie in wait for the sincere aspirant towards life. The first is the terrible danger of becoming the most odious and least supportable of persons, a prig. Now a prig is a pert fellow who gives himself airs of superior wisdom— A prig is a pompous fool who has gone out for a ceremonial walk and, without knowing it, has lost an important part of his attire, namely his sense of humor. A prig is a tedious individual who, having made a discovery, is so impressed by his discovery that he is capable of being gravely displeased because the entire world is not also impressed by it. Unconsciously, to become a prig is an easy and a fatal thing. Hence, when one sets forth on the enterprise of using all one's time, it is just as well to remember that one's own time and not other people's time is the material with which one has to deal, that the earth rolled on pretty comfortably before one began to balance a budget of the hours, and that it will continue to roll on pretty comfortably whether or not one succeeds in one's new role of Chancellor of the Exchequer of Time. It is as well not to chatter too much about what one is doing, and not to betray a too pained sadness at the spectacle of a whole world deliberately wasting so many hours out of every day, and therefore never really living. It will be found, ultimately, That in taking care of oneself one has quite all one can do another danger is the danger of being tied to a program like a slave to a chariot one's program must not be allowed to run away with one it must be respected but it must not be worshipped as a fetish a program of daily employ is not a religion this seems obvious Yet I know men whose lives are a burden to themselves, and a distressing burden to their relatives and friends, simply because they have failed to appreciate the obvious. Oh, no! I have heard the martyr's wife exclaim. Arthur always takes the dog out for exercise at eight o'clock, and he always begins to read at a quarter to nine, so it's quite out of the question that we should, etc., etc and the note of absolute finality in that plaintive voice reveals the unsuspected and ridiculous tragedy of a career. On the other hand, a program is a program, and unless it is treated with deference, it ceases to be anything but a poor joke. To treat one's program with exactly the right amount of deference, to live with not too much and not too little elasticity, is scarcely the simple affair it may appear to the inexperienced. And still another danger is the danger of developing a policy of rush, of being gradually more and more obsessed by what one has to do next. In this way one may come to exist as in a prison, and one's life may cease to be one's own. One may take the dog out for a walk at eight o'clock, and meditate the whole time on the fact that one must begin to read at a quarter to nine, and that one must not be late. And the occasional deliberate breaking of one's program will not help to mend matters. The evil springs not from persisting without elasticity in what one has attempted, but from originally attempting too much, from filling one's program till it runs over, The only cure is to reconstitute the program and to attempt less. But the appetite for knowledge grows by what it feeds on. And there are men who come to like a constant breathless hurry of endeavor. Of them it may be said that a constant breathless hurry is better than an eternal doze. In any case, if the program exhibits a tendency to be oppressive, and yet one wishes not to modify it, an excellent palliative is to pass with exaggerated deliberateness from one portion of it to another. For example, to spend five minutes in perfect mental quiescence between chaining up the St. Bernard and opening the book. In other words, to waste five minutes with the entire consciousness of wasting them. The last and chiefest danger which I would indicate is one to which I have already referred, the risk of a failure at the commencement of the enterprise. I must insist on it. A failure at the commencement may easily kill outright the newborn impulse toward a complete vitality, and therefore every precaution should be observed to avoid it. The impulse must not be overtaxed. Let the pace of the first lap be even absurdly slow, but let it be as regular as possible. And having once decided to achieve a certain task, achieve it at all costs of tedium and distaste. The gain in self-confidence of having accomplished a tiresome labor is immense. Finally, in choosing the first occupations of those evening hours, be guided by nothing whatever but your taste and natural inclination. It is a fine thing to be a walking encyclopedia of philosophy. But if you happen to have no liking for philosophy, and to have a like for the natural history of street cries, much better leave philosophy alone and take to street cries. End of Chapter 12 End of How to Live on Twenty-Four Hours a Day by Arnold Bennett This book recorded by Phil Chenevere